Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, John Rosenberg, and Christopher Munden read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or so you will read along and join us. Like I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am a teacher, theater critic, um, dog dad, currently in anticipation of a not snow day day of virtual learning tomorrow. Um, and I am joined by um, World War II enthusiast, Christopher Munson. <laughs> I will take that. Okay. And uh, and um, John Rosenberg, who is nowhere near the snow in uh, Los Angeles. Hello. And this week we're reading 1956 Pulitzer Prize winning play, The Diary of Anne Frank, adapted from The Diary of Anne Frank. Um written by Francis Goodrich and Albert Hackett, who I actually believe were a married couple. They were mostly wrote comedies. Um, it was later, this this adaptation won the Pulitzer. Um, in the 90s, it was sort of revised um, pretty substantially by um, Wendy Wasserstein. Um, and that was a version in which I did a production where I starred as, well, sorry, where I was featured as Otto Frank was maybe nominated for a National Youth Theater Award for said performance. Thank you, thank you. That's that's kind of a starring role. Yeah. Yeah, um, Otto, that's not featuring. That's yeah, also we, starring. We cut the framing device, so I didn't have the beginning scene or the last scene. Uh, very, when you don't have that, it becomes featured. Um, uh, but uh, this is a play I have a lot of connection to. I didn't really remember until I was reading and the memories sort of come floating back, sort of. Um, I guess not to compare myself to Otto Frank, but in a way where um, the memories come flooding back. Um, I'll take the summary because uh, I know it so well. Um, and as um, a person brought up in um, American Jewish culture, was deeply familiar with this story. Um, and I guess even people, I feel like this is also like the Holocaust story people know if they're not Jewish. And I think I would love to sort of talk about what this story accomplishes as a Holocaust narrative. That's a little heavy, but. I think um, there's some interesting stuff there. So the Diary of Anne Frank is based on the true diary, mostly. Um, in this version, I believe recently in the last, like, I don't know, decade or so, there have been um, there have been found like additional feet, additional entries, and there was some stuff that um, her father sort of took out in the original publication of it. But Anne Frank. Uh, it tells the story of uh, two families, the Franks and the um, Van Pels, that they were called the Van Dans in her diary, um, who uh, were hidden in uh, the like annex or the the attic of an office building behind a door uh, a door because they were Jewish and they were hiding from the Nazis. The play sort of uh, starts with Otto, the father finding the diary after the war and sort of re starts reading it and the memories come flooding back. Um, and it ends with him sort of ending the journey. Um, uh, everyone, most everyone had died. Um, in the play, we sort of see what daily life is like in these cramped quarters. Um, and with the pressure, the sort of increased pressure cooker of the Nazi occupation, we see Anne and her mom sort of have typical like teenage um, 
strife. We see arguments over food and rations and uh, splitting things up fairly. We see the beginning of the sort of young romance between Peter, the young son of the Vantels, and Anne. Um, and then at some point, uh, a dentist stays with them, Mr. Dussel, and they have to sort of stretch their resources even more. And we also see the sort of benevolent kindness of Meep and Mr. Crawler, who were uh, Gentile folks who were helping them out. Um, that's my summary. I have a confession about what surprised me. I What's really, surprised you? I really liked this play. I was so oh. ready to think it's so lame. And I think there is, and I think like even in in very like literate intellectual Jewish circles, there's this idea that like Anne Frank is this like, and it is, it's really, it's written in this really emotionally manipulating way. And I think that her legacy and a lot of what she said is is misused and is used to sort of like paint this like benevolent, like aw shucks attitude around like one of the, like a, a really truly horrific atrocity that, uh, that can, I don't know, can sort of be overlooked. Um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. So when you, when you were like, you were ready for it to not be good. Yeah, I was. Can you can you just talk a little bit about like uh, your expectations of what you thought it was going to be, and then what it was for you? Well, it's funny because I was in it, so I, I know this play like really well. Right. I, I forgot I had it, but um. I think I just expected it to be sort of lame and not well written. And like, I think like we were all sort of like after Cat in a Hot Tin Roof, which is like just truly great. Um, mm -hmm. I think we were like, Diary and Frank, like, oh. It's something that people read in schools. It's something that like, I think it like has the, I think it has the idea that like, well, this one, because it's about this person. And so the award is going to Anne Frank because she died in the Holocaust, it's not going to a well-crafted play. And I think it's a well-crafted play. I think it like, I mean, I think it is emotionally manipulative. And I think again, it like does sort of like paint this uh, juvenile picture of the Holocaust and of sort of the legacy of this. Um, but I think there's something really compelling about, about people being in a confined space and um, and sort of being cut off from the world that is like inherently terrifying and inherently like really, really like intense. And they're receiving sort of the slow pressure like of things, um, of things being built. And I think I'm also like, I, it's, it's so fresh in my memory of like the experience of being in it. Like maybe it, like, I think my experience of reading it is also like, this deeply nostalgic feeling of, of participating in this play. But I think it's a, I think the characters are, are more or less well drawn. I think there's interesting things to do there. Is it like the best written play? No, um, but I don't think it's terrible. And I think it is like a, a deeply compelling, like a deeply compelling piece of theater. I think that it's something I could watch and be like captivated by. I think there's moments of real opportunity for some really, really great acting. Um, do I think the ending is hokey? Yes. Uh, do I think there are moments that are um, a little like are a little on the nose? Yes. Um, is this 
like the definitive like narrative of the Holocaust that I, I think deserves to be out there? Probably not. Um, but I think as a work about survival and about group mentality and about how people deal with pressure and how people turn on each other and how people figure out how to live together, um, I think it's really interesting in, in, in that way. Hmm. Well, I think what's what's fascinating to me about it is like it's a very uh, it, it's like a, it's structurally it's a very conservative is not the right word, but it's like a, it's a straight ahead play. Like there's there's no tricks to it really, and it's just strange to me that like like uh, yeah, it's a very well-meaning play, and like uh, it's designed well. But it is strange to me that, like, I think there's so much dramatically that could have happened in this play that just isn't used. Like, I, I think what I'm saying is, like, because these people were basically trapped for two years, that it must, like, there's nothing normal about it. And, I, you know, it's funny because I was reading it at some point and I was like, I might be jumping ahead, but like, I was just imagining what if you, if I was to do it, I would like, have an audience have to sit there in silence for eight hours and then do you know what i mean like it's weird i i felt like the 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 interpersonal relationships were very interesting and captured well but they're i mean it yeah it's hard how can you capture what this young girl went through like there, there's no right way to do it but there's a lot of wrong ways to do it so i mean yeah i, I dig what you're saying that it, that it's good I mean, sorry to go back on this and again, then I'll let you speak, Chris, I'm sorry, but I am like, you're making me think, I, for the record, I love these conversations because I often come in, like I, I, I feel myself being moved and changed. And I do think there is something upsetting, right? About this being turned into like a compelling work of, like a compelling and comforting work of drama. Is I think that like, I think there's something like, that's fucking crazy. Like that is weird that this is a safe, pe like this is something that people feel safe reading with middle schoolers, right? Yeah. This isn't something that's like dangerous. This isn't something that's subversive. This isn't like, um, and I think there is something I, I like, like when I think about that, that does make me upset um, that this person's legacy is turned into something that is like ultimately like comforting and turned into like a chicken soup for the soul story. Yeah. What, uh, what are your thoughts, Christopher? Um, I mean, it's really hard reading it to escape the backdrop, to escape the context, to escape everything I know about the war, the Holocaust, and Anne Frank. I went to the house in, in Amsterdam. I went what, is, there. what is the house like? It's uh, so... Um, so the, the actual house... Um, that they lived in was this, you get a sense from the play that it's an office building kind of. And mm -hmm. then at the back, there's kind of a small house built on the back. And so the main building is now like a museum. It has a diary, it has exhibits. And the house on the back, they kind of preserved or recreated. Some is preserved because there's some things that from their residence there. 
the rooms, you get a sense of how cramped they were. They are absent furniture. They do have like um, pictures or something so you can get an idea of what it was in furniture, but they're absent the furniture so that you can actually be in them. Um, I went there with a Jewish friend of mine. We were like 20 going to Amsterdam, not for that reason, but for um, Did you both reasons. get high and go to the Anne Frank house? That's my question. <sighs> I think he did not yeah. want to smoke grass. I think he didn't want to. I think we did that before we smoked grass that day. Because um, he, he like put it as, you know, this girl represents six million people. And that's kind of how she is in the eyes of the world. Like she is the representative. So it's hard reading this play without thinking about that and without thinking about the story. And so, you know, reading it, like I'm thinking about that and that makes it really compelling. And it is, it's really understandable. It's really like cleanly presented. I didn't think it was dramatically that interesting. I think, I don't think it's winning necessarily on its artistic merits, but on like, like what it's, what it's representing, which in some ways like that's, we had that conversation we had before is like, is it, is it stealing that story? Is it like using Are you that talking story? About, right. Cause I did think about this, you know, when we were talking about the play that took place on Okinawa, right. Cause I had that question of like, you take something, you know, the, the invasion of Okinawa, which was horrific. And then, but you make a piece of art about it. You had you had that play that was basically it's it's a fucking racist fucking play, even though like it uses that the storytelling thing of like the underdog or whatever, which is comforting and which we enjoyed and we talked about enjoying it. But like, what does it mean if I was to take that story and make something that really uh, capture what it was to be a person from Okinawa? And but what is that? What is, what is making art out of something so horrific? Um, it is an interesting question. I know how I feel about it personally, but yeah, it, it is weird to think that this was like 10 years after the war. And I, I feel like this is the first, am I wrong in assuming this is the first play that really is adapted from something that happened in true life? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it depends what like you mean. Not, total? Was not that? to this like extent. Of, like of anything that we read? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that are either based off of stuff or inspired by Abe Lincoln it. and Illinois. That is mm-hmm. true. I think but, some of the Robert Sherwood ones are like sort of... Emily big. Dickinson. Oh, that one, but that one's a different person's name, right? I guess the, the Abe Lincoln and Illinois kind of, but I feel like this is the first one. And it's interesting because it has nothing to do with being American. Well, I thought it, it's interesting. It doesn't. It's not even American characters. They're very American. The characters so it is written by Americans, yeah. yeah. And it, it's clearly an American play. Like, I but, think the thing is, it's also, and I wish Henry was here, my husband, because, like, I think it also comes at a time of, like, incredible Jewish assimilationism, right? And, like, you have these characters who are, like, I don't, like, they're not legibly Jewish. Like, like they celebrate Hanukkah, but other than that, like they don't talk in Yiddish. They don't like, 
there's not anything and and maybe that's just true to life and you know i think it is somewhat true to life they were pretty like sort of themselves as germans and and dutch i had actually forgotten that uh, that the franks were german and not dutch originally no but within the play there is they do make that distinction you know because the dentist makes the comment about not really being jewish you know it's more because his family or something like that. So I think they do capture that the um, guilt just by by blood as opposed to people that grew up within a culture and were carrying it from generation to generation. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's done incredibly subtly. And I, I do wonder if it's like, because I mean, America doesn't like, you know, Jews. <laughs> How much can you present a story that's not too Jewy to like a Broadway audience as a way of like showing who these people are and what they went through. So what I'm saying is, you know, I think something like Fiddler on the Roof, which is a lot more steeped in, I don't know, the traditions or like really holds Jewish culture up as like the fabric that runs through the whole play. This really doesn't. And it was very interesting because I hadn't thought about it when I was reading it that like, how American this play is and how it's really designed for an American audience. Yeah. I mean, and it's taught in American schools now. I mean, I think I watched the movie in an American school. Yeah. We were talking, I mean, it wasn't the thing that I read in, like it wasn't sort of my, my touchstone of Holocaust literature. Um, I read night. Yeah. Night. I, I yeah, remember I read in California. Night too. I remember in California, night being like the thing. Um, I read that too. Yeah, but I like I read the play. This like when I was looking for the play to read, I read it out of a like a literature textbook. It was like Unit Eight. I still believe, um, and like there were several like that came up when I was looking at it. So like I think you know this is like a way. I think for I mean to be crass, like this is a way for curriculum sort of be like, oh, we got the Holocaust check. Oh, we get to teach how a play is read. Like it's this like. But it's interesting that they don't assign the diary. Like, I think I did read the diary, and then we watch a movie. Although maybe I'm misremembering. But I do think it is like a safe Holocaust. I mean, it, like, it's safe, right? We like you. Yeah. Hear about her dying very obliquely. You like just enough for you to feel bad. Um, I mentioned the ending. I felt like it was sort of like. I don't love the like the ending. The last words are, "What does he say?" He says, um, "Her uh, quote." I still yeah. believe there's good in people, or people are good, something like that. Well, he has the last line in the play. Yeah, and he he and basically he's says, like, she "She's better than, than me." Yeah, she puts me to shame. Um, she puts me to shame. Yeah, and it's just like this. Like I don't. I mean, it just like. It, I think the play like does a nice job of like makes her sort of like a like a normal teen like she's not like she's sort of annoying and she like yeah birth arc. and then in the last moment just like makes her this like better like just raises her up onto this pedestal that i think doesn't need to be like i think it could be a tragedy and her not have like this like profound hope um it made me want to reread the diary because I feel like 
those into well obviously those interpolations aren't there right um yeah Interest. So John and I have a friend, she was in one of John's or a couple of John's plays maybe, and she did her own version of One Woman, um, Diary of Anne Frank. She, Sorry, was real quick. she was only in one of my plays because she would never work with me again. <laughs> <laughs> she was only in one of John's plays. Yeah. Um, you acted with her in a different play too though, right? I did. Anyway, um, <laughs> She did her own version, and she was interested in the parts that Otto Frank, the father, had taken out of the diary, which were a lot of the girls' um, like sexual awareness, body awareness. Um, I mean, I think there's some like confession, or there's some like there's some. It, am I totally wrong that there's some like same sex desire? Like she talks about like her best friend and how like like and, and not in a way like <laughs> I'm not. No, trying- Dan and Frank is like a queer icon, but I think it is like there are these moments of like this is a real diary. She was like putting yeah. her like her stuff in, and then it was published by her father, and her father, you know, took out some of those things, and he also took out some of the the, conf- the tension between himself and his wife that um, our friend restored. So I think that goes to like. Um, like dramatically display I don't know it didn't capture it I was thinking of um, like Beckett's Endgame you know they're kind of like in a post-Holocaust room they can't leave or Sarah Kane's Blasted which takes place in just a hotel room post-apocalyptic just like that construct no exit or um... no exit yeah I mean, I think about, but, like, oh, sorry. No, just so those are so much more like, I don't know. Uh, when, but, you, but the point has to be made. When were those written, though? You know what I mean? It's almost like this is like 10 years after. I, you know, I, I think about the movie uh, The Pawnbroker that came out in the early 60s, which is like one of the first, uh, in, in America, one of the first like graphic depictions of the Jewish experience in the Holocaust. So, I mean... I, I mean, the game is probably contemporary, isn't it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know when it came out. But, um, it, but, but it is like, interesting that, like, this came out. There is something almost Disney about this, in a sense. Because I almost think, like, Disneyland actually opened, I think, around the same time this play came out. And there's almost, there is a, there is a positivity and, like, uh, and, and a belief in, I don't know. It's like a very, um, there is, it's so interesting that you said the thing about like how this play is written for Americans. Um, There, yeah, it's just designed to make us feel better about ourselves. Um, It's also interesting, like thinking of it as a war play and we've now read, I mean, certainly it seems like World War II lays heavier on the American conscience than World War One, or then maybe any other historical event we're going to come across as this is a third play we've read it's been referenced in a bunch of the other plays but none of them really get at the horror of war that's not what they're interested in and i think i mean i think of like it's not going to be until like when i think of like a really really i mean 
a really amazing Holocaust play, right? Bent isn't written until the late 1970s, maybe early 80s. Um, I forgot about that play. <laughs> you can't laugh about Bent. Is that the one with the... It's the gay Holocaust play. Yeah, I didn't like that. Is it play. the guy... <laughs> the guy It who... ends with the two no. dudes like moving the stones and they get shot. I'm thinking yeah. of the one, the one man or one. Oh, one, I am my wife. We're gonna read that. That, that did that's a Pulitzer Prize winner too, yeah, isn't it? Show. Yeah. Show. We'll read that. Um, no, Bent is is like a full cast play. It's about two gay men in the concentration camp who fall in love. And oh, we're gonna read that. Did that win? No, I think it was British. Oh. So we're not gonna read that. It didn't win. Um, what was your um? So obviously, if we were in the show, I would be Otto Frank because I already have been, and I can just perfect. no. You'd be the lady with the fur. Miss Van Dam is a great. So I, I don't even think I came. So my takeaway from being in the play is that Mrs. Van Dam is the best character in the play. I don't <laughs> think read. She just is like she's the she has she has a, a layered character. Like she she's, is, she is the most human of all the characters. She definitely like, is. She's bitchy and she's nervous but she's protective of her husband um and she's judgmental and she like and she comes from money and she's clearly like having to like deal with this uh like this situation that is so un holding on to her fur yeah um that's a quiet tragedy in it isn't it oh yeah and i think that's like that's the kind of thing that that is like it's like sort of like sort of a nice moment that doesn't get like blasted um I do think that the Wendy Wasserstein revisions do make it a, a, a tiny bit more artful of a play. Um, and I think- Well, I, I do want to interject that I actually started reading that version first before mm -hmm. I found this one. And I actually appreciated the framing device of this one more than the modern one. How does the she one? she takes away the the beginning and end, right? She takes away the framing device, and it's more it's all them coming into the house, and it's more hurried. It's a lot more exposition. It's it's just a lot more explaining stuff, and it's a little more. I don't want to say this the right way. It's more militant. There's like a, there's an air of militancy to the play. What do you I, mean by militant? I don't know if you if you glance at the first few pages just the way the characters how i feel it's like it's like the characters know that they're in this play and that they're immortal and that like you all have to watch what happened to us which i feel like didn't happen in this version interesting. no they feel like people they do but it is interesting because what do you do this is the first play where we knew where we know what happens at the end right before we read it yeah i mean it's and it like... and it yeah. yeah it's right how do you how do you there's a million different ways that they could have done this play and it's like it is fascinating that it's based off of her real diary um well, yeah I, but i think that makes the I, I actually think that that i think that that fact benefits the play because I don't think the tension in the seat, like I think what I was talking about with like the pressure rising, mm -hmm. like that pressure rising is like background. 
it's not the plot. Like the plot of these, like sure. the plot of this yeah. play is about the cat and about her trying to like attract Peter and her and her mom fighting. Right, like right, the and they'll mention, happen. oh, they just like, right, they just the invasion happened. We're feeling better, like Rare. that stuff. The context of the war takes a backseat oh. to the interpersonal yeah. stuff, and it's just able to sort of be the like the humming terror in the background. Um, yeah, because we know how it's going to end. Like the play has to do doesn't do it. Like we already feel the dread, right? Like the play doesn't have to like the play just sort of has to like hint at it a little bit, and the audience will by like really take it away. Like you could honestly take out a lot of the, like even some more of that background information and just like have like some sound cues, make it like making that sort of like, and like the audience will get it. Um, that would have been a better play maybe. I don't think so because I, I think like that takes away the blindness that we all feel when we're actually going through something mm-hmm. that like, you know, if like, we live in California and there's, if there's still a rattle, we know it's probably an earthquake, but we'll still be like, was that an earthquake? Like there's still the shared experience of like feeling like you know what's happening and being able to, do you know what I mean? I guess I meant more of the, ex- I thought you meant more of the explication, like almost just like start in with them there and not like, why? Like join it in the middle, you know, like, Right, Not sure, from, sure, like, sure. Them coming. Well, but but then that that then becomes an interesting thing of like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to make like a abstract, real life? Are you you know what I mean? Are you trying to make it real life like it really was, or like, it 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 is impossible. You know what I mean? Because like, if it I is, did a version where yeah. like, if you want to watch this play, you actually have to give up a year of your life. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, if you were to, what is that then? What is to make like a real realistic version of what she went through? It's fucking bullshit. I mean, I would say I was dreading reading it just based on, you know, we're in 2020 and um, I'm going to family for Christmas. So not seeing anyone now and just like, is this what I want to be reading now? And, you know, it's perspective. Like, I mean, come on, dude. Right. It is interesting. My wife mentioned to me because she asked me this week what play we were reading. I was like, that diary of Anne Frank. And she's like, I don't see what the big deal is with this fucking why why does everyone go bend over backwards about her? Like, I don't think it's that compelling of a story. Um it's it's interesting, but like it is it is beautiful, like that they found I was going to say it's like, well, it's the one we have, but then I, which is like also not true. And like, there's just, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of footage of documentary stories from like the show, like the, you know, of film footage at the Shoah Foundation, right? Um, oh, you've watched that movie, I know. Shoah? I have not. Oh, Henry's John? Twice. Oh yeah, Shoah, love it. It's fantastic. Um, I wouldn't say love is the right word, but yeah. No, what's his name? Landsman, right? Klaus Landsman. Yeah, how that dude would just basically fuck with all the Polish people, being like, "Dude, I knew, I know you were fine with the Holocaust." <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was great, a great man. Holocaust play. I saw was it our not our house, our our, our town, our, our class. class. I loved that play. I loved that play. That was maybe the yeah. best I've seen in Philly. Uh, so I would be Mrs. Van Dan. And uh, 
Chris would be Mr. Dussel. I was thinking Peter, but Oh, you are you're a spry. Yeah, you are. Um and then I think John, I think you're Anne. Why me? You're like confrontational and you say your piece and you uh well, that's and, interesting. And you you flip out the stage like a hussy. I do love Jewish girls. Um, you wouldn't be so, the bread thief. <laughs> so that, Brecht, that is a brutal scene, I think, actually, too. So uh, Brecht wouldn't like this play, right? No. I would think not. I would think seriously the people wouldn't like this play. He would be like, this is bad because you're making us feel good about it. I mean, he would say that you're like denying artifice of it. I, I think there are like, I think there are several axes along which Brecht would not like this play. Uh, I don't know, yeah, I the artifice is a, is a big thing. I guess it makes you, you kind of like could it. do that. Cute <laughs> <laughs> <You> asshole. <laughs> is there any other dream production you have? I read uh, that Natalie Portman was in it. When she was fifteen, that was disgusting. You're disgusting. Like I, I, I think there's, I think there's something, I think there's something incredibly dangerous though about like a version with Natalie Portman. I think that there's something very dangerous about it because she's like a very pretty woman, and it, it like it romanticizes Anne Frank in a way that doesn't need to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something so weird about like. And this is like just the I, I, like there's something so weird about seeing the Diary of Anne Frank on Broadway, like I, that I can't quite like put my finger on like why that. It's obscene. It's, it's obscene. obscene. And you showed us that song from the musical before the podcast. Yeah, there is a musical. That is just disturbing. That's wrong. It feels like like Auschwitz on ice. Like, but you know, it's just not right. I think I think there's an interesting way to do this play where like you almost overdo who clearly she loves and who she doesn't like. And you almost like make those characters versions of her perceptions of them mm-hmm. beyond playing it straight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would enjoy watching that because then I'm like, Oh, that's right. This is, this is a fucking 13 year old's perceptions of like Mr. Dussel or like Peter or something like that, you know? Totally. I mean, I think, it, I think it's, but it's hard. Like, I think it's, a play that people probably are very touchy about artistic license with. It was really easy to find. I wonder if it's out of copyright or non-copyrighted. No, it's I mean, they did the, there's a revision in the, in the nineties. So, I mean, I mean, I wonder, yeah. And the diary is probably strictly copyrighted. Um, Next week we um, move on to um, a towering, work in the American theatrical canon. Uh, Eugene O'Neill's, our third Eugene O'Neill play, um, Long Day's Journey into Night. Is there a third? Oh, how exciting. Excellent. Fourth Eugene O'Neill. It's been a long time since um, Strange Interlude. Yeah, we didn't get uh, Moon for the Misbegotten, and we didn't get The Iceman Cometh. Mm -mm. But here we are. Um, I'm really excited. I I, I read this play when I was in eighth grade, when I was reading Night. and I remember loving it. So I hope I still do. Yeah, me too. I hope so too. Have you ever seen it or read it? 
I've seen it a couple times and I've read it. I read it in like early mid twenties when I shouldn't be reading stuff like that because I already like to quote like to I knew uh, I already <laughs> quote some of the poems that were in there. <laughs> and so when that character like knew some of the poems that I did, I was like oh, I don't dear. know. Yeah, oh dear. Um and have you seen it or read it, John? I read it uh, when I was younger and I shouldn't have. Because I was like, what's the big fucking deal? Really? Yeah. All right. uh, I, think it's, I think it's excellent. Um, I maybe prefer Moon for the Misbegotten, but well, next I think of we'll... them as, as a duo type, of, kind of. Next week, we'll see what the fuck is the big deal. All right, folks. Um... Happy Hanukkah. Happy Sixth Night of Hanukkah. All right. We'll let Elvis Merry, us out. Merry Christmas. Although it's always crowded, you still can find some room for broken hearted lovers to cry their little blue and be so cool.